Hi there. Welcome to the While You Wait podcast, where it's all about helping women just like you learn about the bladder while you're waiting for your appointment with that specialist. Each week, I'll combine science, medicine, and common sense so you can learn, become empowered, and get started on your journey to dryness. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Boyles, a board-certified urogynecologist. Let's get started. Hi there. I'm here today with MJ Strohall, who is a longtime friend of mine and one of the queens of public floor physical therapy here in in Portland. So MJ works for Providence, and she is the Clinical Advancement Program Lead for Pelvic Health. So she has been a pelvic health physical therapist for a long time. She's helped me with a lot of my really complicated patients. I think the you know, one of the best things about you, MJ, is that you really love what you do. And it it always comes through for the patients as you're helping them, you know, through some of their struggles or things that they've been struggling through for a long time. And I just wanted to talk to you today about that first appointment and what that what that's like for women. You know, I think there's a lot of fear about that first appointment. You know, when they're in my office, I put in the referral and then and then what what happens? What's the next step? So you're right. That first appointment can be kind of scary. Um, But when you put the referral in, usually our schedulers will call the patient and schedule a time that is convenient for them. But also we have several locations within the Providence system. And it's not just for Providence care plan insurance folks, but for, for others as well. But there are like 18 satellite locations. We've got the major hospitals in the Portland metro area covered with pelvic health trained PT. So our schedulers are going to work hard on getting a patient to a location that's convenient for them. But it's also based on their diagnosis. As you mentioned, I see a lot more of the complex patients. We've got therapists that are at different levels of their training, but do a great job with kind of simple urinary incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse. So so that's how they get in to see us. And that first visit, yeah, it can be scary, especially if you've had PT before, but it's been like for your knee. And so what is it going to look like for my pelvic floor? That I really want to reassure patients that that first visit we do a a lot of talking. Before they come to us, we ask them to either complete online an eight-page questionnaire. It's really lengthy. And if they can't do it online, we ask them to come in at least 15 minutes early to do that. The length of the intake form is important because we talk about pooping, peeing, and sex, basically. Um, The pelvic floor, it, it combines all of those. And even if you only have a urinary incontinence problem, it's important that we know if that's affecting your bowel health or your sexual function. And so the questionnaire asks a lot of questions. Many of them you can skip over if it doesn't apply to you, but it's important that we help patients make that link for what's in the pelvis, right? You have the, yeah. the bladder, you have the vagina and the uterus, and you have the rectum in there. They have to be good neighbors. I like to tell my patients they have to play well in the sandbox together, right? Um, uh. So- 
So that's the first part. And that's always a little overwhelming for our patients. Wow, this questionnaire, it's like, my goodness. But it's It's interesting, right? Because a lot of times patients feel like, oh my gosh, this could be so much worse. And there are so many things here that don't apply to me. Or sometimes they're so reassured because they see how all of these things kind of fit together. So I'm laughing at you as you're speaking, because I always tell my patients that I'm kind of the doctor of TMI. I mean, I ask you all the (laughs) questions that you don't really want to talk about. But I forgot you too are um, well versed in TMI of pelvic floor health. So I I just want to clarify one thing that you said. So you have different physical therapists who are Mm -hmm. at different levels of training. And so based on the complexity of that patient, that patient pretty much gets assigned to someone who meets their complexity. Right. Exactly. So someone who has more pain issues or, That's you know, correct. maybe has a more complicated medical history, contributing factors, gets mm-hmm. sent to someone who's more experienced. And you have That's that correct. whole triaging system. We do. Laid out. Yep. Yeah. And what's really nice about our team is that we also interrefer. So if somebody really feels like they want another set of eyes um, on on the case, we'll interrefer if the patient feels comfortable for that. But one of my biggest concerns is that patients build a therapeutic relationship yeah. with their the physical therapist that they're going to see. Because um, let's face it, talking about these private um, really sometimes very embarrassing um, symptoms. You want to only do that with one person if possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so- And one of the things that I always tell patients when I'm referring them is I always say, you know, this is a really intimate relationship and you may love your physical therapist. You may not. And if you don't, you should tell me and we'll find someone else for you. And I always interpret that as it's not a good match for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, but it has nothing to do with that physical therapist's ability, right? Right. I mean, sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, you're just not jiving with that person, you know? I mean, I've had patients, you know, come in, come back and say, you know, that person was too young for me. I mean, sometimes it's something super subjective, but when you're, you know, revealing some intimacies, uh, it has to, it has to feel okay. It does. It does. And that's really important. And that's what we want for the patient as Mm -hmm. well. So again, back to that first visit, a little overwhelming at first with that intake form. And that's why we like them to fill it out at home if possible, so they don't feel rushed. And then that first visit, it's a lot of talking. We go over the questionnaire. And so we make sure that we're paying attention to their responses. If they took the time to fill it out, I sure want to take the time to talk about it. We do a lot of patient education. So anatomy. So why did we ask questions about pooping when my problem is about peeing? Right. Um, And so the anatomy is very, very helpful. And then we talk about the structures. And one of the things the term I use is that we go global before we go local. So if a patient's had other injuries or a history of back pain or hip pain, or maybe they've had a total hip surgery or maybe they had pelvic girdle pain during their pregnancy. We want to know if that's impacted the health of their pelvic floor. So we'll look at the structural support system. We'll look at their posture. We'll talk about the impact of those other muscles. And we may do some assessment of that, which is very similar to going to an orthopedically trained physical therapist. So we start there. Um, We do talk about the, the anatomy of the pelvic floor and what our assessment might look like. Very rarely do we do an exam 
of the pelvic floor, whether it's vaginally or rectally, internally, that first visit. And we talk about how comfortable are you um, with doing that kind of exam? Would you prefer a different kind of exam, more external? We have biofeedback available to us. Some of our clinics have ultrasound imaging available to us. So um, if a person isn't ready to have an internal pelvic exam, which by the way, is very different than a GYN exam. We don't, we don't use stirrups. Um, we start uh, very slowly externally to look at the genitalia before we go into the musculature. So one of the things I like my patients to do is be familiar with their anatomy. We may just use a mirror or I'll ask a patient to use a mirror at home to look at their genitalia and maybe to do a contraction and relaxation of the pelvic floor, aka a Kegel, and see if they see movement there. So that's very important for them to become familiar with their own anatomy, maybe even self-palpation if they feel comfortable with that. Interesting, right? Because those are things that a lot of women haven't done or they have done, but perhaps not in an educated fashion, right? They're not really sure what they're looking at. So when you're having these conversations with women, where are they? Can you talk about the space, what that feels like? Is it private? Are, you know, is there a cute guy working on his knee next door? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's really, because I, Almost take that for granted because all of our um, rooms. Well, it's your space, are, right? You're used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of our rooms um, have solid doors on them. We never are out in the gym with other patients. It's very private. As a matter of fact, in my office, which is right downstairs from yours, um, we have a, a, a whole separate section for kind of specialty practices, things more private versus our big open orthopedic gym. Right. And so private room, private door. We have a bathroom right next door. My um, assessment room has a sink in it. Um, so it's very private. It does feel a little bit more medicalized. If I had my way, my room would look very different. I'd have kind of like a lounge chair and, you know, pretty flowers and maybe some aromatherapy just to make it a little yeah. bit more calming and peaceful. But it's still a medical office building, so um, I don't have that ability. But we try to make people feel very comfortable. And during this whole process in education, they are not laying down on a bed. They are sitting in a chair facing me. With their um, pants on. With their clothes on. Yes, exactly. (laughs) No clothes come off. And usually not until maybe the second or third visit, if ever, right? We can still help people without doing um, that whole take off all your clothes thing, right? So again, education, we do a lot of talking about how the bladder and bowel work. And um, we ask them to complete diaries. And that can be really helpful in telling about their symptoms. Um, So that's usually what the first visit looks like. Anatomy, patient education, discussion of um, how we're going to assess their symptoms, and then completion of uh, maybe bladder and bowel diaries together. That takes up 45 minutes. Um, Our appointment times are not real long. Um, 45 minutes seems long compared to probably your visits, but it goes fast. And so we ask patients to come back usually one time a week to every other week. So if they've had physical therapy, say for a shoulder where they come, you know, three times a week for three weeks and they're done, that's not how pelvic health looks. We spread these visits out. I might be seeing patients 
six months from now. But some people respond very, very quickly. Maybe it only takes three visits. So, I, I mean, I think the most important things that I've heard you say is, you know, that that first visit is really all about education and it's yeah. really patient led yeah. where, yeah, you know, that patient so. gets to dictate the tempo and kind of the next steps, right? And and if a pelvic exam is not desired or not comfortable, then that's reasonable, right? Yeah. They're they're not yeah. kind of pushed in that direction. And and I think it's important to know that, you know, there are some limitations, right? We do get more information when we do a, a pelvic exam, yeah. but that doesn't mean that we have to do that. That's correct. Right. And it's important to meet people where they're where they're yeah. at. And then you're also assessing for previous injuries, which I think, you know, is so invaluable, right? Because it's not uncommon that we see people who have an injury that, you know, stems from a labrum tear or an old sports injury or maybe a, a knee injury. Are you also assessing for workplace ergonomics? How much do you talk about that? So we're all PTs. So of course, we're looking at at, at posture. Um, we want to know what their workplace setting is like, even home, you know, how often do they sit down at a computer and that kind of thing. But um, yes, we can do that. It depends on how important it is for a patient's symptoms. So if someone's coming to me with pelvic pain, their work ergonomics play a much bigger role than someone that has maybe just straight stress urinary incontinence. Um, so it really depends on their diagnosis. But again, we all are PTs and come with essential tools like that to, to make sure we're not missing anything. Yeah. Um, we also talk a lot about their exercise habits. Do they walk? Do they run? Do they bike? Do they do CrossFit? Are they really into Pilates? We want to know how they manage pressure. So for someone with pelvic organ prolapse, that's really important as well. So their breathing and things like that are very, and depending yeah. on the time, it, we, we certainly talk about breath work first and second visit as well, yeah. and then all through their therapy. So I think, you know, the PT journey is frequently such an education for women, right? Because there are so many things about your body that you don't realize, right? You don't realize how you're yeah. holding yourself, how you're transmitting pressure, your breathing, your asymmetries. I mean, all of those things, you know, sometimes it's a little bit humbling to realize that you've been breathing incorrectly for <laughs> years and years and years, but that can definitely be part of the problem. Right. So how important do you think coming to the office is versus the homework that you give women? Well, I think they're both important. We do have a therapist um, and not all of us have the capacity just because of our workspace and place to do virtual visits. So we have a couple of different therapists that do virtual visits with patients. They may translate into office visits, but if someone really feels more comfortable doing a virtual mm -hmm. visit, we have that uh, availability. And they do much of the same thing on that first visit um, and then kind of direct the therapy based on the, the responses as well as the patient education and whether they should come back for their second visit as a virtual visit or whether that therapist, especially if it's a pain patient or if it's someone that really has never felt comfortable doing kegels or doesn't have good sensory awareness of where the pelvic floor muscles are or, or a sensory perception of the ability to feel a contraction and a relaxation, that person is going to do better in a clinic setting, even if all we do is maybe do some palpation or visualization externally. Um, so it's, it's 
does depend on patients' sensory awareness as well as their diagnosis. But we do have that available, especially for people that may have difficulty with transportation or location or just comfortability of seeing someone, you know, face to face. I think one of the benefits that PT offers as well is, you know, there's definitely a counseling aspect. It right? really is, yeah. You know, telling women how common this is and, you know, just providing a lot of reassurance, I, I think is you know, such an important part of it. And, and, you know, I think that's something that women get a lot of value from as well. Yeah. And in this age of Zoom, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's really hard to um, establish a more personal connection. And I think you're right that that can be very helpful in any setting, whether it's a physical therapy setting, whether it's a physician setting, um, that it helps because we're human beings. And this, that human interaction can be really valuable. Well, and I think, you know, prolapse and incontinence can be so isolating, right? So many women think that they're the only person that have this issue just because we don't really talk about it. And, and realizing that there are whole clinics set up to handle this and that we talk about these issues all the time. And it's so very, very normal and not shameful or embarrassing. I think that provides a lot of solace to many women. And I think Go you're ahead. right in that our culture has gotten a little bit more comfortable talking about urinary incontinence. We see advertising on the television all the time. Um, You know, it's gotten more press. The things that haven't gotten as much press are things like chronic pelvic pain, accidental bowel leakage. Um, So that can really be a, a a problem as well. So bowel leakage is, I mean, this is definitely an understatement, but it's the worst, right? Because it is the hardest to hide. It it feels there's a lot of shame associated with that. And, you know, there are so many things that can cause it right from childbirth injury to neurologic injury. And I, I feel like those are, you know, everyone feels like their sphincters should work without thought. And when they don't, it must be something we're doing incorrectly. And a lot of times it's just a failure of your system through no fault of your own. So you offer in-person PT, you offer um, virtual PT, but there's also an online class that I wanted to ask you about. So who can go to that class? How does that work? Okay. So right now under the Providence system, anybody that has a Providence healthcare plan um, can access that virtual class. We do it once a month. Right now I'm the one that instructs it, but we have a couple other people that do it um, when I'm not around. Um, But it's a 90 minute class and it goes through a lot of information that we do on that first visit. And so sometimes it really helps prepare people to come to an in-person visit because we talk about the anatomy and function of the um, pelvic girdle and the pelvic floor. We talk about how the bladder and bowel work. And then we do have an introduction at least to pelvic floor muscle training also known as Kegels, um, so that if somebody's not familiar with that, um, that they have a, a better idea. So it's a 90-minute class. It is a Zoom class, so it's live, so lots of good interaction, Q&A for, for patients. Um, and they can access that class if they have Providence Healthcare Insurance through their primary care doctor or through someone like you, a specialist. Right now, it's only for Providence Healthcare Plan patients, but we are working with some of the other healthcare plans to um, get coverage for that so that patients can access that. That may be the only thing they need initially. And we certainly talk about how to access one-on-one physical therapy after that if their symptoms um, don't get better with some of the tools that we teach them. How big are those classes usually? 
So we limit it to 15. And so it varies from two to three to a full on 15, um, but they're small. And so a little bit more personal. And if people feel uh, comfortable having their camera on and asking questions when we do Q&A, that's great, but they don't have to. We also have an admin person that monitors the chat. And so if you want to ask questions without feeling embarrassment, those those questions can be asked in the chat and then we discuss them. So so I'm so curious about that. Do do women interact? I mean, do people keep their camera on? You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when my yeah. kids were doing virtual school and, and we had my son's first parent-teacher conference, the teacher said, oh my gosh, it's so nice to see what you look like because he would never right. turn his camera on even though we right. had been telling him to. Right. Well, we do a PowerPoint. So during that time, we ask people to keep their cameras off just for bandwidth. Um, so all they're seeing on their screen is the PowerPoint. But then at the end, we take the PowerPoint off and the screen looks like what it looks like for you and me right now. Whoever wants to have their camera on can have it on, um, but they can unmute their microphones and just ask questions in real time. So it's nice. I mean, how many people do that? Um, it it depends. You know, we've been doing this now for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it really depends. I think people are getting more comfortable now that everybody's pretty much done a Zoom meeting. Um, yeah. We still have a few folks that are like, I don't know how to do that. Where do I find my camera, et cetera. Right. But for the most part, you know, we have a wide variation in age. So we have a lot of younger folks who are like, yeah, I, I got no problem with this. And cameras are on, uh, microphones are on, and, um, it, and it's pretty interactive. So it yeah. makes it for a good learning environment. Yeah, I I think it's such a great option, especially for women who are really busy. I mean, I'm thinking about postpartum moms, right? Women with new babies. I mean, it's great to be able to get this information and and not have to leave your home, which might be really difficult for you at that point. And I do think that information does help make for a more educated interaction with their their healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. Now, Now they know the right questions to ask. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to get good information sometimes, right? right? I mean, there's definitely a lot of rabbit holes on the internet. Um, And having said that too, I do want to mention, because I think this is something that um, every healthcare system is having difficulty with. Um, All of us as pelvic health PTs have long wait lists. Um, And so when they get scheduled, their first appointment might be two months out. Um, one of the good things about our system is that we have what we call fast pass. So they may have an appointment scheduled out in July, but if they are in fast pass, we can send them a notice anytime I get a cancellation and, um, and they can click on it and say, yes, I'll take that one and sometimes get in a lot earlier. Um, but I do want to warn patients that sometimes there's a long wait and that's just the nature of healthcare system right now. I didn't realize you had fast pass. It's like Disneyland. Yeah. It's really great. Who knew? I know, right? <laughs> um, it, it's hard. I mean, I think it's really hard for patients, but that's where I think, you know, having more virtual opportunities and group classes yeah. can just help you get started, even if that isn't the full answer. And if it is, then, you know, then great. The other thing I wanted to speak to is you help train all of your physical therapists. And so you're yeah. super comfortable with this system and the level of care that the problem 
evidence PTs provide. <laughs> I would say, I mean, I, you know, I see that too. I mean, a lot of times, you know, patients will come to me and they'll say, you know, t- tell me who I should see. And, you know, if it is somebody super, super complicated, I do send them to you. But for the most part, I say, you know, this is a really great system and they've really figured out how to triage you to the right therapist. And, and so I would let the system handle it. You know, I don't know what the wait times are for any individual therapist, right? And so I think it just makes things work a little bit better. And we do a lot of interaction as a team. So we're constantly interacting with each other because we're all connected by way of the healthcare system. Yeah. And so if we have a difficult case and I need to just troubleshoot with, with another therapist, I have that um, availability within our system, which makes it yeah. really nice too. No, I, I mean, I agree with that, right? I mean, I think relying on your resources is so important, right? Because no one person has all the answers. And yeah. sometimes, you know, even just talking out a case, I mean, there have been lots of cases that, you know, we've discussed over time mm-hmm. or, yeah. you know, brought in a colorectal surgeon or urologist just to say, okay, I'm thinking about it this way. What do you think? What's the best yeah, approach? And that collaboration becomes so important for for many women. And the program has to be very individualized. Not every Mm -hmm. patient that presents with similar symptoms actually is going to be treated exactly the same, right? So um, we definitely individualize the programs and, and that takes collaboration. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what makes it so strong too, right? Because you're not, it's not a cookie cutter approach, right? Exactly. Oh, you have urinary incontinence, you will do this, right? You're looking at that whole person and developing Mm -hmm. an approach for them. Thank you so much for your time. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for all of those women with bladder leaking out there? The one thing I would emphasize is that this is not a quick fix. Right. And so um, it's not about kegling until the cows come home. It's about learning and understanding your body, how you need to address your symptoms with your body and your symptoms and that it may take a while. It's it's not going to be something that you do some kegels. Maybe if you've never done them for the first time or, um, you know, there's not a silver bullet. And I think that may be the hardest pill to swallow, if, if I can put it that way, because most of us that have symptoms that have to do with pooping, peeing or sex really want it fixed. I want to fix now, but it is a journey, not necessarily a destination. And that's why when I mentioned that we might see patients even down to once a month for a few months so that we can not only um, be your coach, but also your cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I want patients to understand that that it's a journey and it may take a while and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really true, right? Where you are the therapist, the coach and the cheerleader yeah. and that's yeah. what makes physical therapy so very, very strong as a therapeutic intervention. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate all of your brilliance and your time and everything that you do for all of our patients here in Portland. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a privilege to be able to talk with you today. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. If you want more information about me or my online work, check out my website at www.thewomensbladderdoctor.com.